Is a very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shadow Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And this week we're trying something a little different. Uh, so it should be fun. Uh, we at IndieWire, are, we do not work alone. Uh, we have a wonderful team of people that works that work with us and here in the lovely Los Angeles and offices and the also lovely New York offices. And some of those people are interns representing the youth of today. They teach us about things we don't know about, like the sports and the whatnot. I don't know. Mm, interns haven't taught me anything about sports. That's I've true. Only, I've only had conflicts with interns about sports. But not sports, but other things, like the, the social medias and the Snapchats. Mm, no, I think we teach them a lot. We do teach. Well, we, we hopefully we do. We are... That's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, but this week we asked, uh, we, ha- we have three interns with us, uh, Maya Reddy, Michael Michael Gonzalez, and Juan Diaz. Uh, and they're completing their spring semester relatively soon here uh, with us. We're gonna be, we're gonna be miss them a great deal. But we wanted to get their perspective on the fact that they are not just interns, they are you know, active students studying the thing that we care about most. Television? Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, I thought they were studying the leftovers for a second. I got really confused. Uh, but kind yeah. of to, to add to that, the one thing that they that we don't have anymore is this perspective. Like, mm-hmm. as much as we want to pretend we're still 22 years old and, you know, just heading to class every morning to learn about all of these wonderful things and film and TV and, and study and gain knowledge and do all this stuff, we're out in the world now. And we're a little bit, you know, pulled away from what's being taught and how the next generation is going to be coming up and what their perspectives are and what that emphasis is and, and kind of, you know, what TV means to them these days. So uh, we hopefully, you know, got a little insight from these guys as to, you know, what their perspective is on it, what they're learning and, and what they're taking away and what they'll apply in the future, uh, you know, as Liz and I just age into oblivion. And, yep. And, and die. We're, I mean, as, as we slowly become less and less relevant to advertisers. Uh, you're, you're dangerously close as a woman already. I mean, I mean I've never really <laughs> mattered to advertisers. To, but to people, like to, the, to the, like the, the corporations at large, you are widely irrelevant. I'm a, I'm a woman over 30, Ben. Society yeah. in general just doesn't give a crap about me. I'm only getting like a, the smallest of tastes of this as a man over 30. Yeah. But like I, I still, you know, it I'm takes a until about so it's fine. It takes about until about 50 for you to stop being someone that you know society deems relevant and even then if i've got some money behind me then like i'm the reason mad men stays on the air so yeah. i'd be pretty fucking relevant yeah you get, I you get i don't know about you you think they'll come around we'll find it well hopefully that's what they're teaching our young people about tv that, indeed that you know there's a lot more to pay attention to than just gross demographic breakdowns of your customers. This is not exactly where I thought this intro was going to go. Me but, neither. But here we are. <laughs> here we are in our old age, um, learning from the youth of today. So uh, let's take yeah, a like listen to what happened. Porch. Get off my lawn. So Ben and I are here with Juan Diaz, who's been one of our IndieWire interns for the last two months. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excellent. And uh, tell us a little bit about where you're currently going to school and uh, what you've been studying at, while at the university. So I'm a student at Woodbury University, uh, majoring in communications. We are a tiny school. Nobody's actually heard of us, even in Burbank, where it is. <laughs> um, yeah, communications major, 
uh, focus a lot on media studies and journalism in general. Now, explain a little bit about what media studies means right now for you. Um, so I would say a good part of it is analyzing um, a lot of social issues that take place within film and television. Um, so we actually do get to watch a good deal of television within some of our courses and just analyze several issues, whether it be uh, ranging from feminism to uh, the treatment of actors of color and so forth uh, regarding the media. So what did you, like when you signed up, when you got into it, what were you hoping to get out of it? Like what was the goal going in? Um, well, I wanted, going in I was primarily focused on journalism, so I wanted to learn a little bit more about the media itself, uh, how everything works, and I wanted to get some practical experience. Um, but a lot of it is theory-based, um, so you don't always get to do much of the cool stuff that, you get, that I have been doing at IndieWire as an intern. But um, yeah, I wanted to really just analyze the media. In terms of that, uh, so tell, talk to us a little bit about like, the first time you saw that television was introduced into a class for you. Uh, the first time, um, I remember once for a cultural studies class that I took, we actually analyzed a few, <clears throat> sorry, a few um, Chappelle show skits. Oh. Um, yeah, of course, we had to watch the, um, the blind Klansman <laughs> uh, skit. Um, that was actually a few semesters ago, so I kind of forget what exactly that was meant for, but... Um, I mean, clearly, yeah, those, was, those, they, those bring up a lot of big issues, for certain. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the blind Klansman definitely um, supplemented our education that day. Um, so that was one of the first instances. Um, I remember also we watched um, a Donald Glover special, uh, specifically for uh, this joke he made about <clears throat> how there's no uh, crazy ex-boyfriend stories because <laughs> all the women end up dead <laughs> in those in those st uh, cases. And um, yeah, that was also for cultural studies. It was a you know, obviously, we learned a lot about you know what women have to go through, unfortunately, um, and that was one of the stories that really you know put everything into context. So, as as in the study of media, I guess, mm -hmm. do you feel like your classes skew more towards television? Like, do you talk more about television than film, or is there like some, like kind of a difference there? Do they separate it out? Like, how are those kind of connected? I feel it's kind of a balanced. Um, that's pretty balanced the way they do it. Um, like some classes are specifically for film within communications, and other courses they um, they try to um, separate the assignments based on film or television. For instance, I once wrote a paper on uh, an episode of Broad City for my uh, gender studies class, um, but we also had to write a, a paper on Mean Girls. Actually, a lot of paper on Mean Girls. Um, if I had to write one for media ethics or cultural studies, I that movie is constantly within our curriculum. <laughs> um, yeah, but then we also have um, specific film classes. For instance, I'm taking a, um, a film genres class right now where we're focusing strictly on the Western genre. Mm. But television is also a really important part of it. Do, they, do you notice any sort of difference in kind of like how people talk about television and film? Like if they talk about, you know, the perception out there is still that like film is the higher art form, even though television is is catching up to it. Like, do you, I mean, when you're analyzing this stuff in in terms of media and in terms of kind of the effect on on people, like, do you 
think they talk about it differently or they pay more respect to one or the other or, or is it just kind of a general discussion um i don't think um they're specifically uh, focusing on one over the other in fact they um i think television may actually may be um being looked at higher now possibly because of you know so much great television out there and it's really easier to um, you know, watch a, an episode of TV and write about it, and you know, not everybody has the time to go out to the movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I feel like most TV shows these days deal with a lot of social issues. Like, on a, there's more of that, I feel, than you know, most movies that are out right now that people can actually go out and see. Did you go out and see Get Out? Was that an assignment yet? Not yet, um, <laughs> but... As I'm sure, but well, I'm already going to graduate, but I'm sure next semester. Yeah, that's I mean, something. Then that's you know that's from somebody who predominantly came from television. Mean Girls is another one where it was written by Tina Fey, so that's something that you know kind of came from television. It seems like a lot of this discourse is is still television based, which I mean it's exciting. It's the it's the medium of the people, so it makes mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, um, you know, is it when you first started like? When you start, first started this program, uh, was it weird at all to be like talking about television in an academic way? Yeah, a little. Just um, you know, hearing my professors you know, talking about shows that I watch, like Broad City. Um, like my gender studies professor, this you know, she's a mom mm-hmm. from Santa Barbara. She's um, you know, <clears throat> talking about Alana and Abby and all the crazy crap they do and. We're actually putting it within an academic context. So, you know, it's, it was definitely a weird experience, but it's been fun. Do you ever feel like it? I, I don't know. When I was in school, anytime a movie or a TV show came up in a class, it felt elevated to me. Like oh. they were putting it on. Hell yeah! Like all of a sudden, it's like, oh wow, this actually is. This is as big of a deal as I thought it was. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, being able to watch Broad City in class, or you know. The Chappelle show, like, dude, I watched that one when I was a kid, and now I'm learning about it, you know, and it's a lot more elevated. Like, you, you definitely get to look at it in a different context, you know, now that it's in a classroom. Has there been anything, I guess, like any show in particular, or I, I mean, anything really within the medium um, that you just see differently now, like because of school, like that, that an argument was made or um, it was put in a different context, or like it, you feel like it's a it's advanced or changed kind of how you see TV in a bigger way. Yeah, um, after I took my gender studies class, um, Jessica Jones had just come out. Mm. I binge watched that like right after the semester ended. And um, yeah, I was looking at it in in a more academic context, you know, and um, as opposed to, oh, this is just a superhero show, but it's so much more of that because of, you know, all the issues that I learned about in, in my academic coursework. Is there something specific from Jessica Jones that you feel like you wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't uh, if you hadn't taken the class? The uh, yeah, specifically the conflict of the show between Jessica and Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel for any comic book fan, yeah, it's the story about you know, good versus evil, man who has to be stopped. But you know, when you take a gender studies course, yeah, it's so much more than that. It's a story about PTSD and um, <clears throat> just you know, several issues that women have to go through. It just happens to be set in a Marvel you know, universe. Okay, cool. For, so, so, you know, in terms of your daily life, like, you know, you, you're studying TV during during class. Are you able to watch much of it all during, at, just for pleasure even? Um, I, it's gotten a little 
low lately because you know it's my last semester and just just so much work to do but i try as much as i can um it's a lot easier to watch tv uh, as opposed to film um so i try to keep up with some shows right now um like i've been watching legion um i still have to c uh, catch the season finale um and crashing also is another show that i've been watching lately so i do try to keep up as much as i can great to wrap things up then uh what was the best thing you watched on tv last week Last week, I finished Love on oh. Netflix. Second season was really good. Um, I love Apatow and what Paul Ross did with that show. Um, and also, as I mentioned, Crashing. Um, mm -hmm. That's actually surprisingly a good show. I wasn't expecting too much from it, but it, it ended up being a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. Like, the, the way they work in the guest stars is really fun. Oh, yeah. Um, like, last... This past week's episode was um, Sarah Silverman. Oh, and God. It, really, it was a great episode. Awesome. And so what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, the season premiere of Archer next week, definitely. I want to see where they take that uh, storyline. Um, changing the genre of it all. Great pick. <laughs> Joining us now are two of IndieWire's illustrious interns. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves to our lovely listeners. Hi, I'm Maya Reddy. I go to Emerson College, and I'm a senior uh, studying screenwriting, but I have a great passion for film and TV, TV especially. And I'm Michael Gonzalez. I'm also a senior I'm at UCLA. I study English, and I'm minoring in film. Uh, yeah. What was the first time you had, you found yourself, like, studying television in class? my history of film uh, class freshman year, we had to watch, I think it was The Prisoner. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, so we went, we went to like really early film and then a little bit of early uh, television. And then I watched The Prisoner like two other times in different classes, so there, it's, um, it's a popular one, a popular uh, first episode to watch. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was mainly I took a directing class, and that was the first time I ever got introduced to the kind of the three camera setup of like a sitcom mm. kind of, and I never had really even thought about that. So it just kind of made me think about the differences of filming a movie as opposed to a TV show. Now, Maya, when you came into school, you were are you were you more focused on learning about TV, or were you more focused on film? And Michael, I'm pretty sure you're more of a film guy, right? Yeah. Well, I wanted to like focus on TV, but there aren't actually like a lot of TV focused classes early on, at least. It was a lot more film. Like we had to take history of film and the extension of our learning about TV was watching The Prisoner. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's kind of where my like learning about TV went. We also, for some reason, I think this might just be because Emerson has like good studios, is we learned a lot about studio TV, which is a little like that's not super relevant anymore unless we're, you know, watching SNL. But um, so th so that's kind of the extent of the TV that I, I got to learn. Yeah, for me, like it was great for me because my school really focuses on film, even though the programs film and television um, really like. I haven't really started to think about television sets before I started here. Um, so really at all the classes I've taken, it's been film centered and it's kind of like this umbrella that TV falls under where it's kind of like, if you understand film, then you know, you understand TV, but now I'm learning there's a whole other side, not just in how it's made, but the business behind it, which has been really interesting. In case anyone was wondering why so many 
creators and, and writers use the TV as just a 10-hour film example, then this is a, a good 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 reason why. I mean, so ma- I mean, this is the same as as when I was in school. Like, this is exactly how they talked about it. In terms of studying TV in an academic setting, uh, is it? Is it is it weird at all to like be, be like oh hi I'm watching an episode of a TV show in class? Yeah, I'm actually I'm taking a TV genres class right now, which is like my first real like TV focused class I've taken, um, and it's weird. It's it's weirder if it's like newer stuff. Like we watched an episode of It's Always Sunny, and that was uh, fun, but at the same time I was it it, it felt odd. Um, but kind of the older stuff, like we watched All in the Family. Is it all in the family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, th- th- that kind of older stuff, which still feels like school, because I don't necessarily uh, reach out to the older uh, TV shows to watch in my free time. <laughs> yeah, and for me, I guess it's just really, at, even in my English classes, I feel like any kind of media is accepted, where if you can relate it to a literature context, then mm-hmm. you're good. So you can bring in a movie, you can bring in a TV show, you can even bring in like a commercial, and as long as you know, you're willing to prove that it's relevant, then yeah, you can totally get away with watching a TV show for an assignment or an essay or something. Do you guys feel like there's any sort of bias in the way they talk about it? Like when they're talking about film, do they hold it to a higher degree than when they're talking about TV or or like have you noticed any kind of separation like that within like the actual educators? Hmm. Yeah, well, I think I was just like looking at the course listing before I came in here for the film program and there's probably about 50 courses and only three of them are like exclusively about television. So I think just right there, there's already kind of a bias. Like I mentioned earlier, it's really just if you know film, you know TV and there's, Mm. I don't know, there's just not a lot of exposure to the business or the making of television, especially like now I feel like it's becoming more defined as opposed to maybe previously. Um, but I don't know. What about what about you? Yeah, it's pretty similar. There's, I mean, just looking at my options, I had to take um, to finish up. You know, my college credits. I had to take um, like it was an advanced film studies class, and there was maybe one or two TV related classes out of all the class options and that was one was the TV genres class that I'm taking now so it's definitely like at least within the curriculum there's a bias I haven't noticed with professors because like obviously if the professor's teaching a class on TV that's at least something they care about a lot. Now talk a little bit about a little bit about what uh, the TV genres class is because that sounds like a really interesting uh, a really interesting like way to look at look at the medium. Yeah, it's a lot of us um, kind of just looking at genre specifically. I think we, we've been looking at Fuhrer's theory of um, three different kinds of genre, and don't ask me what the three <laughs> different kinds, because uh, I probably wouldn't remember. But um, it, it's just, yeah, looking at how um, genre can be seen through a television lens, because in like the past, people usually would just apply their understanding of genre in film to their understanding of genre in TV, which isn't quite like, like we kind of delved into um, what a sitcom means, which was where the It's Always Sunny episode came in, because they have an episode about like sitcoms, and it's really meta because technically It's Always Sunny would be cons- considered a sitcom, but um, when you think of a sitcom, you don't think of It's Always Sunny. So it's like that kind of stuff. It's really um, interesting, but it also makes my head hurt. <laughs> 
and Michael, what are some examples? I don't think you mentioned any specific examples yeah. of TV you've watched in class, but what I'm just curious, like what, what have you been shown? Um, well, I remember I took a history of film class and literally in the last like two weeks, we started discussing about things about how TV came about and how that it was really related to the film industry. So we were watching kind of older shows that I'm kind of blanking on, mm -hmm. but just kind of to show the difference between how it first started as opposed to what it is now. And I think that gap is much bigger as opposed to film, which has been around a lot longer, but really not too much has changed in the formula of how, you know, movies made and all that, as opposed to looking at, you know, something from the past, like, um, I don't know, what's something I can't really think off the top of my head, but... Well, like, are we talking The Sopranos old, or are we talking Hill Street Blues old? Probably Sopranos, um, but okay. just like that, like and you... seven-year difference. <laughs> the Hill Street Blues was in the 80s. Late 80s. I actually just watched Toaster Blues. <laughs> we've, got, we've got TV shows that existed in like the 50s. It was just yeah. the first thing that came into mind, okay? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, just like the, you know, now that we have, you know, places like Netflix and all that who are, you know, really pushing out original content, I just think it's, from a business perspective, so much more different as opposed to this the studio system of the film industry that has, you know, you know still pretty much uh, thriving today. Um, so what do you feel like you've gotten, how do you feel studying TV in an academic setting has changed the way you approach it? Huh, that's a good question. <laughs> Maybe to frame it a little differently, like, are there examples of shows that you think about differently or when you're watching shows now just kind of for fun, do you catch yourself like applying an educational perspective to it or something that you learned in class or, or anything that you've noticed like, wow, I don't think I would have thought of that without this class or school or whatever. I think I definitely look at like the structure of television a bit more critically now, like um, where you're at in the beginning of a season versus like the middle and the end and kind of an, like, for example, I've started watching Iron Fist <laughs> because I need to, I mean, it's just, I need to watch all of the Defenders before I get to the Defenders. I just can't skip it. I um, empathize with you. <laughs> I we'll talk later. Yeah. I don't empathize with you. <laughs> and and there's a lot of just like I I'm able to kind of break down um I'm forgetting the Danny Rand like into what makes him a character that you just don't sympathize with and understand because <laughs> it's easy to say oh he's like a bad character and he's boring but um like watching it with my brother for example I was kind of telling him no this is why he's a bad character though and what they could have done to fix it and and it's almost more sad because now I can kind of see like the ways in which it could have been a better show um and just kind of like the progression like the beginning of it um, they just, the, the structure of the season doesn't make any sense and um, it's, it was a missed opportunity and it's something that um, I think having studied um, TV a bit more I can kind of see where they could have made better decisions and that's, that's almost a sadder perspective on it. Yeah, kind of building off of that, I took like a media class that really focused on like, you know, uh, representation throughout TV and kind of, that's something that I didn't even think of is you know, how is representation, you know, kind of portrayed in the television, uh, you know, world? 
and how certain ethnicities are only portrayed in, you know, such certain ways. And I think we've definitely evolved, you know, even the past few years, but I definitely always, you know, it always catches my eye now because, you know, that's something that I was taught, you know, um, gender, race, and all that. Cool. All right, final question from me. Uh, heading out of school, as you get into the real world or, or start thinking about that, would you rather have an Emmy or an Oscar? Ooh. I'd want an Emmy. hey <laughs> What for? Um, Pick your category. Ooh, I'd want an Emmy for <laughs> I just there's 120,000 of them so just you know it's easy <laughs> best title design uh yeah <laughs> shoot higher <laughs> guest actor no um I'd I think I'd want an Emmy for drama or miniseries because I'm not funny enough for comedy and for writing yeah so something like that but I'm not I'm not quite funny enough for comedy, but um, I don't think I take myself seriously enough to be a straight drama. But it's fine, because we're in the age of like good quality dramedies, so the Emmys are trying to figure it out too anyway, so. Yeah, just write a, a half hour drama and you'll win it for comedy. Yeah, that's so true. I I take it back. I'm gonna win an Emmy for uh, comedy. <laughs> I think right. I'll, I'll try to go for the Emmy for comedy too, just try to keep things lighthearted and not so heavy. I think that, you know, I always gravitate towards more comedic shows just because I feel like week after week or episode after episode of, you know, kind of these heavy thematic elements can kind of, you know, be kind of heavy. Um, but so I always enjoy just, you know, binging on a comedic show. And so, yeah, I think that's what I would go for. Well, great. We've set you two on a path to collide and fight over an Emmy and, yes. you know, five, five, five years. Yeah. I think I'll probably do it in five. That's good. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll look forward to covering that very eagerly. We're very excited for it. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us. But to to just wrap things up, uh, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, I finished up Legion and I loved it so much. <laughs> like, just I, I just love the way they ended it, and I'm so excited for season two already. And the cast is amazing. It's just so good. And I started off a little kind of confused, and then like once I hit episode four, it was just oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for me, I saw this season finale of Star Wars Rebels, which Aww. was very exciting. It was a, kind of a disappointing because this was the best season, in my opinion, filled with a lot of good character episodes. But the finale was basically an, a giant chess match with spaceships, which is awesome, but kind of lacking the character department. But I enjoyed it. I've heard actually really good things about Star Wars Rebels yeah. this season. Like, I've, I've been meaning to check it out. Yeah, and it's it's kind of gearing up towards where the last film took place, mm. uh, Rogue One. So it's going to be interesting how it all ties in ultimately with the timeline. Well, Forrest Whitaker, like, appeared yeah, he, as, as, as his, his character as from his Rogue character, One. Yeah, so you get that. And then also, you know, Obi-Wan appeared, which is always exciting. And, yeah, so it's interesting to see what they'll do with the next season. Well, now that we've talked about my least favorite thing regarding film and television, thank you both so much well, for joining hold us. Well, on. We, we aren't done. Why not? Next thing they're, they're what are looking, you talking about? Next oh. thing they're looking forward to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I angered you. <laughs> I oh, it's you. not you who angered me. I mean, Star Wars Rebels, I, too, have heard great things, but that crossover shit is just infinitely ben, annoying. Ben does not care for when you have to watch both a movie and a TV show. Have some balls and have an ending. <laughs> uh, but yes, what was the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, I don't know how far off this is, but I'm ready for like 
Brooklyn Nine-Nine to come back on the air. I think there's two episodes less left of the season, and it's, like, my favorite comedy right now. I mean, I love Veep, too, and I'm ready for that to come back, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine always just gives me, like, warm and fuzzies, and I need it going into, like, finals and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I just... I'm not kind of off and on with the show, but Master of None is one that mm. I've kind of just... Every so often, I'll just watch an episode, um, and it, I like it. It's pretty funny, and also has some, you know, kind of good, you know, character moments. But I guess the new season's coming out soon, so I'll have to finish, you know, <laughs> to get up to that point. Yeah, that's a great show to watch on an episode by episode basis. Too. Yeah, like they really break out every storyline. Yeah. Well, thank you guys again for joining us, and we're very excited to see what happens next with your careers, and we really appreciate having you here at IndieWire. Thank you again to Maya, Michael, and Juan for joining us for the podcast. It was a pleasure having you guys. And there's just one thing left to do. Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, well, technically, <laughs> technically, I could I could start... I could start talking about something that I've been waiting to talk about, but I won't. Um, the best thing that I've watched last week was The Get Down Part 2. Um, very much want to continue supporting this amazing endeavor on Netflix. Uh, Baz Luhrmann, Nelson George, and literally so many talented hands went into creating this addictive musical journey. And um, I love, I, I got to moderate a conversation after a screening recently, and I love how Nelson George described that the show isn't just about the birth of hip-hop. A lot of people want to reduce it down to the birth of hip-hop, but it's about how hip-hop and disco and the lives of these you know, specific individuals and in this specific part of the country get affected and misappropriated and, and corrupted by the music industry, like by the record industry, and how these kind of things blend and, and, and contort. And it's such a beautifully told story. Um, it's bursting with energy. I really hope more people give it a try. Um, I, I'm actually very proud of the Netflix team for how they're for the fact that they've released a couple of the tracks early this time. Mm. Um, obviously, there's fans who are going to just jump right on it, but these two songs that they've put out and which are available on IndieWire, you can find them yourself. They're on the Twitter page. They're on iTunes. They're on Spotify. Um, you can find them yourself. They are great songs, and there is so much more music in part two uh, to be excited about. So that's the best thing I watched last week. Nice. Liz, what about you? Uh, okay, well, trying to think of what I can talk about, but uh, I'll go ahead and say I have seen of the 13 Reasons Why, and it's a lot. That show is a lot, and that show is brutal on a level I have not anticipated. Like, this is something I mentioned casually to on Twitter, but Ben, have you ever seen a content warning on a Netflix show before? that wasn't there like previously from like a previous network distribution. I like so. Yeah, like there is legit mul multiple episodes of the show have like warning the following contains extreme shit and oh they're not lying. They're well, not isn't lying. That, isn't that also tied into the audience expectation? Like there's this is such a teen drama that they might be attracting a younger audience that maybe want to protect themselves a little bit. And yeah, and that's one of the interesting aspects to it. It's, it kind of reminds me of how when I watched Stranger Things for the first time, I was like, "What what audience are they aiming this for? Because this is feels like something that they want twelve year olds to watch. But I don't know if I was if I was the parent of a twelve year old, I'd feel comfortable watching letting my kids watch that show. Um, and I feel like so there's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of like if if that if Thirteen Reasons Why was being released in theaters, it'd be a hard R. 
Um, and it's instead going to be on Netflix. So you're totally right. The audience expectation is like aiming for like teens, particularly late teens, I would imagine. But it's it feels very adult. Well, yeah, I, I meant more in the in the in the context of for that warning. Like, yeah. is this literally the most brutal thing that Netflix has ever put out, or is that there because they're very much aware they don't have an R rating? to assign to the perks of being a wallflower so that they need to kind of warn people who might end up watching it because it's a teen story that it's a little bit rougher. Did you just refer to it as perks of a wallflower? Yeah, because that's an R-rated movie. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Cool. Right, well, shit, now I'll double check. Okay, well, here's here's what I'm going to say is, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if perks is, is R-rated, um, but I think, honestly, the thing is, I mean, there's at least one scene which is a brutal rape. Shit, it's PG-13. Okay, okay. I'll find another example. Continue, Liz. Brutal rape. Yes. Uh, there is a at least one scene of a nature so explicit. I don't even know. Like, I haven't watched enough Hemlock Grove, but I feel like it's... I feel like Hemlock Grove might be worse than this show, but, I mean... Worse, specify. Worse in quality. Worse in content. I mean, worse, worse in, every, in everything. Yeah, I mean, oh, Hemlock Grove, our old punching yeah. bag. Um, okay, here's what I'll say. Uh, Orange is the New Black has definitely depicted rape on screen, uh, but Orange is the New Black's rape scenes were tamer, like, than 13 Reasons Why. Uh, so if you don't want to watch that... Thanks. Um, like if you if you want to pull a Valerie Cherish on this one, feel free. I like, I like that this recommendation has. It's like this is the best thing I watched last week, but I mean it's pretty rough. So if you don't want to watch it, don't worry about it. I think I think my it's it's hard it's hard to watch but hard to look away from. It sounds like it, like if if you conde- if you condense it down to what I just said, it would be like what most people said about The Leftover Season 1, where it was like, it's like, listen, it's really good, but, I mean, it's pretty hard, so don't worry about it. And it's like, no, 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 hold on a second. It's really hard to watch, but you also have to watch it, so get your shit in gear. Yeah. I don't know if that applies for 13. But. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's as, it's, it, it's, it's different, because I think there's, there's kind of like, with The Leftover, so much of the scenes that are hard to watch come, like, out of nowhere to some degree. Like, there's a, there's a lot of surprises in that show. Well... Uh, whereas a big part of what makes 13 Reasons Why so difficult to watch is that it there's known things that you are going to see, and they are really hard to watch. Like, you're, you're kind of dreading them the whole time. Sounds like a fine line between gratuitous and necessary. Yeah, and that's a big question with the show. Um, I'm still finalizing my review, uh, but I've been working on it for the last 12, 18 hours or so, and uh, still kind of coming to grips with a lot of it. Uh, but anyways, Ben, my existential crisis aside over this one TV show, uh, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to The Leftovers, Liz, um, <laughs> as I've already brought up a few times are we are allowed to, Are we allowed to talk too much about The Leftovers at no, this point? No, absolutely not. What's the embargo again? There isn't an official embargo, but there is a request that I'm going to honor, so we will not be discussing it. But I can safely say that I am very much looking forward to watching more of The Leftovers, and uh, season three, guys, get the fuck ready. Like, I, I've literally heard from more people, like people that I know, but not necessarily like close friends, some close friends, some family, some, you know, distant friends or, or like uh, older acquaintances about 
catching up on the leftovers and being so excited for season three. And obviously they're reaching out to me because they know about my ridiculous passion for it, but it is still so encouraging to see it because not all of them were people that I was beating down the door. Like it's not everybody where I'm just making them watch it. They're not people who will show up on my list like Liz. But, uh, but I mean, I'm very excited. I feel like there's going to be a good amount of buzz for this one and it, it should be fun. Okay, great. Great. I'm not going to ask you. You're not going to ask me what uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to it's is? It's The Leftovers. We know. No, it's not. What? For, I've seen The Leftovers. How dare you? I've seen it. No, you haven't. <laughs> oh, no. I do have it something else, though. I need to catch up with Underground. This is my declaration. I need to catch up with Underground. Don't roll your eyes at Underground. It's a fine show. I mean, I'm sure it is, but I'm not saying we it's The Leftovers. The leftovers. <laughs> I'm not saying it's The Leftovers. <laughs> But it is a fine show, and they are trying something crazy next week uh, with Harriet Tubman, basically spending the whole hour giving a speech. It's like that episode of The West Wing where they spend the entire episode having a debate, except it's one person talking. Yeah, and I know how fondly you remember that episode, Liz. I do have problems with that episode, but I am excited to see Aisha Hines uh, rock the mic for an hour. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you'll be able to read all about that and more, mostly more about The Leftovers, at IndieWire.com, where you'll also find news, reviews, interviews, and features on all sorts of other stuff. And if you want to hear our other podcasts, find ways to talk about The Leftovers. Make sure you listen to Screen Talk with Ann Thompson Eric Cohn, as well as our Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with Chris O'Fault. And finally, but not to be forgotten, uh, Michael Schneider's Turn It On podcast, which I'm sure for the eight weeks in which The Leftovers is airing will be nonstop Leftovers interviews, reviews, discussion points. I thought that was our podcast. It's what's on the thing. Well, they they all will be, Liz. That's the whole point. The IndieWire network is being taken over by The Leftovers for the months of April, May, and beginning of June. Um, So, yeah, just enjoy. (laughs) Indeed. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz tweeting about The Leftovers at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. But not for a while because we're not allowed to talk about it yet. You can talk about it, just not the new ones. Okay. You're never restricted from talking. I talk about it all the time. I've been talking about it for two years. Three yeah. years. Two years. Three it kind of just whatever. feels like forever. I hope so. <laughs> it will be. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. 